After a hectic day of reaction racing at the 2020 F1 in Schools World Finals, we look back and get the reactions of multiple teams and explore more about the competition on this, the third episode of Trackside by Off The Track. episode of Trackside. Today I'm joined by multiple teams and uh, other members of the podcast. So George Stoner, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi there. And we've got Marcus Vetter. Hey there. Uh, obviously my- myself, Michael, and we're joined today by Keris Racing. Hi, we are Team T08 from Malaysia, Keris Racing. I'm Irina Wanzold. Uh, hello, I'm Arkalish. I'm the team's resource manager, Wen Kestina. I'm the team's graphic designer, Imai Noraina. Spark. Hi, my name is Kevin. I am the chief engineer from Spark. Got Bolt. So, hi, I'm George. I'm the research and communications director of the team. Yeah, uh, hi, I'm Andreas, and I'm the designer, engineer, and the leader of the team. And Square Q. So, I'm the team manager, uh, Roma. Um, hello, I'm Gareth, the community and communication manager. And I'm Leo, the marketing and finance manager. We'd like to thank them all for taking time out of their busy schedules to talk to us. So today, guys, we went through reaction racing. We saw a lot of movement in that leaderboard. Um, Prismatic is still leading if you look at fastest times. Um, but but Quintalux, they seem to have have really performed well today, George. Yeah, so we saw Quintalux improving their fastest time, but also we've done some analysis and we've uh, worked out some provisional scores of points that teams will earn from the racing. So the way the, the system works for the points is you take the second, third, fourth and fifth fastest times of all of your runs and you find an average of those. And actually when we do that to the data, what we find is that Quintalux are actually uh, the fastest car uh currently i mean there are factors we don't know so uh we don't know how the teams have done on the performance and safety points uh regulations which can prevent them from winning awards such as fastest car but uh this information is quite interesting so marcus you yesterday uh internally released a a spreadsheet that had a comparison of the the times throughout the the last five years and looking at that the top six times, if we look at just fastest times, are are faster than the fastest from last year. So, it's, what do you think of that? Yeah, sure. First of all, it's great effort for the team. So well done by you, by you guys. Um, and I guess it's just like we're in another development period because R and D results often based on previous results. So you just start to develop um, by first of all taking previous testing results as the regulations didn't change that much this might help and something that's really important and to know a lot of teams probably got um, performance out of making thinner front wheels so you have less rotational energy and the car is easier to accelerate and uh, I think I think there's some some good insights coming up from uh, from the live stream that we uh, we watched today. So addressing yesterday's episode, we uh, we had some speculating, George, Lawrence, and I, uh, with Marcus about 
the Spark rear wing and, and how it was flexible. And so we got to speak to Spark about why they chose to, to do what they did. And um, we'll have a look later at what the F1 in schools HQ suggest as a, as a possible remedy as well. It looks like we've had uh, them take two different approaches. So let's uh, see what Spark had to say about that. Yeah, so the rear wing was a little bit of an uh, issue during, during uh, our national finals, mainly because it's weaker, so during the braking, uh, this can break off and fly away. So we think like how we can improve the materials and how we can improve the design. So we have redesigned it, prototyped it, and we have done this, this wing. So the main idea behind it, it's like, during the, the braking process, the wing will uh, turn, but not brake. Uh, it's a flexible, so uh, it can flex behind, uh, back, it can flex back, so uh, it's a little bit forced behind, but after that, the, this came back to the normal, so we can have uh, a pretty consistent uh, rear wing and a pretty consistent car. So. George, we, we saw that uh, it was flexible and you yourself commented on how flexible it was during scrutineering, but um, it, it doesn't seem to have helped them very much because they've still had rear wing issues. So where do you think this implementation went wrong? Yeah, I mean, it, the theory makes sense because uh, if you look at the total energy that an object can absorb before breaking, if you look at it on a stress-strain curve, uh, the, the more strain it can withstand, uh, which is basically how much uh, it can stretch. So if it's more flexible, it will stretch more. Uh, you'll actually increase the amount of energy you can absorb before the material fails. Uh, so theoretically, flexible wings or componentry could make cars tougher. So they could and withstand the impacts better. However, teams should be careful because uh, flexible wings are not meant to be allowed but this is this is a thing that's ruled at the judge's discretion so it's it's hard to tell where the limit is on how flexible a wing can be i think possibly what we saw with the reason their wing was very flexible was because uh to help make it flexible the material they used wasn't very thick and so possibly uh it just it just couldn't survive uh the stress that was placed on it from its impact you think it was the the mounting points of the wing on the on the car, where the flexible material may, met the the more inflexible material. Yeah, so the, the the wing supports, I think, from looking at the live stream, seemed to be where the wing was breaking, and those were generally the thinnest parts on the wing. Mm. And and so uh, Gary Anderson and the team have come up with well, they came up with suggestions a long time ago, but. Uh, in this season, no one seems to have uh, taken the, the hints that they left peppered throughout the regulations. So they pointed out that in the regulations, the wings are shown to have mounting points um, that, that have magnets uh, that are used to mount them. And so the idea is that they can uh, detach slightly from the car and then return back to their position when all of the braking is finished uh and I, I think that's a an idea that certainly has some merit george and marcus 
do you do you think this is a better solution and uh what what do you think the the challenges are with implementing this kind of system on a car yeah of course it's uh, i guess a pretty good solution and yeah i'm really keen to to see if next year probably some teams will take up the hint the problem with applying two flexible materials and stuff we we saw it didn't work that well um it's probably you can't really fem analyze stuff too well because it starts wobbling and moving a lot during the deceleration progress and the magnetic system is probably very good if teams get get to develop an aerodynamic shape and manufacture magnets in the right way i guess we could prob probably see teams doing a big innovation in this kind of um, area and improve on performance and of course the important fact that um, they're more consistent in the future. Uh, Marcus, you mentioned uh, FEA uh, finite element analysis, correct, earlier? Yes. Yes, just wanted to clarify that for those listening who aren't aware. Yeah, so we have seen magnets used before. Uh, I believe they were used by one team from Mexico in the 2016 World Finals. Uh, and, I mean, the advantage is if, if they fall off, then they can just be quickly reattached. And But if they fall off, does that count as a breakage? Well, if, you, uh, if they fall off at the end of the track, uh, teams have 30 seconds. Uh, this year it's Gary trying to fix them in 30 seconds uh, to, to put their cars back together. And th if they can be done in that 30 seconds, which is very achievable when you just have to stick two magnets back together, then the teams don't lose any penalty points. No, I think, given that, magnets are a very, very promising idea for front and rear wings. With that out of the way, these magnets might have addressed some of the durability issues we've been seeing at the competition. They've been quite persistent um, with it being the same with the reaction racing today. We've, we've seen lots of issues. Um, persist racing uh, were subject to quite a lot of issues with their car. It stopped down the track halfway, and I, my heart goes out to them. They had a really tough time yesterday. So uh, what, what do you think is going on with the car there? Persist Racing were performing quite well yesterday, uh, getting some track times down. But I think maybe just the impacts of when they hit the deceleration system had just damaged the car a bit, and it just meant that it couldn't perform as well, which is why it was getting some DNFs. Yeah, I think they had a lot more runs than, than most teams because they had a couple of DNFs and they had to rerun a couple of races. So that's definitely contributed to that. Um, we also spoke to, to Keris Racing today. Um, I, do, uh, I think everyone will remember the, the car that had its front fall off. Um, so yeah, we, we spoke to them and uh, they seem to have very high spirits for a team whose car has suffered some what we would consider to be fairly major damage let's have a listen to what they had to say oh yeah that's very unfortunate but yeah maybe Kalish can talk a little bit more he is the design engineer of the team yeah i think uh the breakage during the race uh, our car actually snapped in half the nose actually uh broke and i think that's my 
my fault because I designed the car to have a little air resistant in front. So uh, making the car nose very slim and long, I think that's what caused it to actually break. So that's my fault. I can learn from that. Yeah, we definitely uh, pushed the limits a little bit uh, too much there, but you know. Yeah, I mean, well, the competition is always all about pushing the limits. And yeah. I think we've all had cars that have broken before. So but we're definitely it's... researching it and uh, seeing how we can improve uh, the next time around. So it's all about learning, honestly. Yeah, so are you guys thinking about competing next year in the competition? Well, this competition is a long-term investment. If not us, then our future teams from our schools uh, will definitely need that research. Okay, so listening to your interview with them, George, uh, and uh, it seems like they are really intent on learning from their mistakes, and I think that is absolutely inspirational. They seem to be very high spirits considering what's happened and they just want to to learn and to pass that on to the next generation and that kind of intergenerational learning i think is what really makes uh countries and schools good with f1 in schools the ability to transfer the knowledge from one generation to the next not only helps the competition in that for that country in that school but it helps the students transferring the knowledge to solidify it as well um George, what did you take from that? They were a really nice team to speak to. Uh, they were really positive and um, you could see their engineer taking responsibility for their car braking. But it, it is something that we all see. Uh, I'm sure mo like all of us have had cars braking. And it is just something when you do when you push the limits. Uh, and this competition really is all about pushing the limits. Yeah, probably you could see they're more mature and probably deal with problems like this um, better than than uh, real engineers because look at the one probably some drivers or some engineers often don't take responsibly responsibility for their own faults as good as they did so like heads off to you guys that is a very good point Marcus I think yeah I think you've hit the nail on the head with that one that is a very mature response uh, from a team so Keris, despite the, the disappointment uh, with that, I think they they were still happy with the performance of their car. With all that positivity and, and maturity, they, they've really done some good material science as well. Um, George, I know you mentioned when you were doing scrutineering that their wheels felt very solid. Yeah, so what they'd done was they'd used some carbon fiber uh, when on their, their wings. Uh, so they reinforced their their three D prints with uh, a carbon a carbon weave and resin. So that was it, it helped make their wings a lot stronger. And yeah, and when you when you spoke to them earlier, uh, they they explained the whole process for us. So let's let's take a listen to that method uh, or the process of how we incorporate the carbon fiber into our car was actually a tedious one and it lasted a, a few weeks it's because it's very technical uh, but uh, to explain it in short a brief way we uh, did a resin wrapping method where we first um, 3d printed our car components as normal and then uh, we uh, mix a 2 to 1 ratio of resin to hardener 
apply that to the surface of the car components and then uh, put a sheet of carbon fiber material and then applied uh, some hardener to it again as well and then let it cure and then uh, sanded it down and polished it as well. But we did this repeatedly, so it was kind of a long process, but it's all worth it in the end. And I think that we we all agree that that's some some good materials engineering there, Marcus. Yeah, sure. I mean, um, it's more than just looking what our teams have used in the past. It's not like we're we're going to three D print and probably just look what kind of rapid prototyping methods are used in the competition. It's it's just like looking further of f1 in schools um yeah prototyping and manufacturing methods and i guess this also is a pretty pretty good feature and i hope they'll build up on that and improve the method in the future it really is a great idea george do you think this is going to affect the future of uh wing and and wheel design in the competition yeah i think it could because carbon fiber is a material we see in formula one uh, because it's so light, but it has such uh, good strength characteristics. And normally it's associated with a very high cost of manufacturing. And whilst we did see that they were talking about how it it takes some time expense, uh, the method they used to, to, to create their carbon fiber was a lot cheaper than uh, creating custom molds and baking your carbon fiber. So that's a really impressive method, and we might see it more often. Uh, as it's more accessible to more teams. Mm, I, I think certainly we're going to see uh, an increase in this kind of manufacturing in the future. It's, it's really displays of out-of-the-box thinking from Keras Racing. Uh, a new team to the F1 in Schools finals, a new country to the F1 in Schools finals uh, for the first time in, in over a decade. Um, we have Square Q from France. They are competing for the first time ever. They haven't gone to a state finals. They haven't gone to a nationals or a regionals like all the other teams have. And it's just really impressive to see the performance that they've they've got just out of the gate. So we're, we, uh, we spoke to them earlier today. George, do you think it's impressive how well they've done? It's great to see a team... Uh doing so well and when we look at uh, their race results that's incredible for uh, a new coming team uh, yeah so France may very well be a country that we look to for lots of successful teams in the future yeah so let's have a listen to what Square Q had to say when Marcus spoke to them earlier today uh, it's a large better than our expectation because like I said as I said just before uh, we didn't uh, made we didn't made uh, as much as as uh, we as we call the make in term of test, uh, and so we didn't really know what uh, the car will do uh, on the race. Uh, she did very well, and so we are very happy for that. Today we we are against a Greek, te a Greek team, which was uh, the first team uh, yesterday. Uh, they did the, the best uh, race uh, time on the track, so. We expect again the the best. Like uh, my mate said just before, uh, we did a, a pretty good race erection time. And so, Marcus, that uh, they they mentioned two things there. They haven't tested their car on a track. It sounds like, and yet they're getting 
such such fast results. What do we make of that? Yeah, like, watch out, guys. I guess the French teams are coming. They are. Because um, it's just the beginning, and they're so motivated. They're just so happy to be there and so blessed. So um, I guess it just shows how great the competition is, that even like newcomers can achieve such great things just by hard work. And yeah, I guess we got a lot. Watch out for France because it's a country with big car industry and all the other stuff. So they can gain on not knowledge, get a big network in the future. Yeah, I guess watch out, guys. Yeah, there looks like there are going to be some rising stars there. We we spoke to teams about international language barriers earlier today because obviously the whole world speaks hundreds of different languages and um spark had some some interesting suggestions when we spoke to them earlier about how they uh learn english we only got to speak to that engineer uh he has some interesting ideas on on how to to learn english and maintain uh, a good level of fluency and also on maybe if you don't have great english how you can assist your communication skills uh, non-verbally. So let's have a listen to what he had to say. Yeah, uh, the problem here from the language is because we mainly don't have any experience with English. Uh, my experience, uh, as, an, as an example, uh, I play so much video games, so I was like forced to talk in English with the, the other gamers. So uh, I learned it there, but if it was it with my school, I probably wasn't be able to speak uh, a sentence here. But it's really difficult, primarily because some uh, some judges or some peoples have different way to talk uh, some something. So it's sometimes it's really difficult to understand, but. We always try to talk really slower and to uh, like using the universal talking, like the gestures and how we can communicate, uh, not to using only the speaking, but the other ways. So Mar Marcus, you're, uh, you're speaking a second language right now as you talk to us because you're from Germany. Uh, are you much of a gamer? Yeah, kind of, probably just all started with Minecraft and then moved on to other games so I guess stuff like this could help you out uh, especially if you're from Brazil or Cyprus or other countries where English isn't teach in that way uh, in, in school like in, in Germany because I've been learning English for approximately 10 years probably you can't hear it but yeah I'm trying no, I I, th I think we definitely can hear it. And uh, you also spoke to, to Square Q today, and they, they said that there's a lot of resistance to people learning English uh, in France. So let's have a listen to what they had to say. Yes, in France, uh, it's very different uh, with the other um, countries because um, we have... Um, we have... Um, we have lessons of uh, English. But uh, we don't talk any more English in our country, uh, in uh, in Malaysia or Australia, uh, Malaysia, China is um, they speak English a lot, practices a lot, and in France is very different. 
So in the, the competition, it was uh, a bit difficult to 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 answer to different questions, to to just to but what, what do you think about my English? Is it too bad? <laughs> I I think we can all agree that their English is is very good, considering that uh, unlike yourself, Marcus, they haven't had or or the rest of us, for that matter, uh, the benefit of years of schooling in English. Yeah, they, their English is definitely better than our French, so we can all agree on that. So yes. Absolutely. I don't know about you, George. How's your French? Uh, not my French, yes. My French is pretty bad. <laughs> um, so, so, Marcus, did did you think this presented your team with a, a, a big difficulty at the uh, the World Finals? Yeah, first of all, um, I mean, you get into it. Um, it's just like you start writing English text. Um, you start to get, like... English specific terms for engineering and stuff and as you start to um, uh, do research in English as you start to probably do team meetings in English to improve um, your ability to speak English freely and um, with judges and all the other teams you kind of get into it but I'm really gonna state that all of our team members have been learning English in school for a lot of for a long time and so we have a basic advantage to all the other non-native speakers that come from countries where english isn't taught in school in the same way so yeah so probably it's it's difficult for all of the international teams not from the english speaking countries but i guess it even differs in between those teams yeah apparently from which educational system they're they're from? Mm, I think you provided some great insight there, Marcus. Thank you. So we just looked at the the language barriers that prevent sometimes maybe teams expressing themselves as well as they'd like to, but there's also a lot of international differences between the the local competitions and the competitions uh, that take place on the world stage. So we spoke to to Bolt about the. The differences from from Cyprus to Worlds, and I think it's a very insightful interview. Let's have a listen. So of course, it, it is quite overwhelming to think that you're going up against the best in the world and the best in each country, and you're going up so much competition, and it does just feel a bit daunting at times. But I, it's more this rewarding feeling that oh, I finally made it. I'm, I'm representing my country. I'm getting this. Um, this happiness that shows that my efforts have finally paid off. So I feel that it is at times overwhelming, but it is also really rewarding to to feel that oh, I've made it somewhere, and I'm I'm gonna make my mark on the uh, Formula One in schools in some way. And it does differ from the national competition. Of course, we did not do it due to COVID this year. However, it does it does differ from it. It it engages it exposes you to. To more teams, more diverse, more diversification by meeting people from different nations, from different places around the world. So it's just it's a really rewarding experience, in my opinion. And Marcus, I think we can both agree that F one in schools has been a very rewarding experience for for, for all of us, actually, George included. But uh, 
did you think that the the, the world competition provided you with more insights and, and more choice of, of ideas than just your local competitions yeah in general i mean any competition is really fun or has been really fun for me personally and um i'd never regret to compete at all and yeah one th one point they mentioned as well is like div one and school stages really really getting big when it comes to international competitions because then you don't really have from from the organizer standpoint you don't really have to take care of beginners and you really have to give the 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 best teams in the world just a stage to 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 shine and to present and so you can have like a lot of more competition elements um as in the national finals so it's probably more fun but also more exhausting um as you have to do a lot more work it is really the best of the best and spark provided some insight into their local competitions let's listen to that interview now yeah it's really really difficult because there are some differences between the competition here in brazil and in the world finals an example it's like here in brazil we are judged by the social actions specifically on the social actions that's like a judging for this and the roles and how the, the tournament goes here it's a little bit uh, easier I, I will not say like it's easier, but it's uh, not at the high level at the world finals. So we just heard there that they are judged on on social interactions as well. Um, so that's something that you don't really have to consider as as much at the, the world finals, I think, George. Uh, social interactions outside of judging, not really that that judged is it no it's no it's not normal. yeah i mean probably it um it comes into the the, the the judging and you probably get more points if you're a more outstanding team concerning interaction being more social being probably even more extrovert um, but I guess there's no judging category for that on international stage, as far as I know. F1 in schools, we, we all hear that it's, it's a great competition. I think we all experience how great of a competition it is. But uh, look, looking to the, your futures as, as students now and what you want to do, I think all of us can agree that F1 in schools has affected our lives in a very big way and definitely guided where we're going to go. Do you think you agree with that statement, George? Yeah, it's had a massive impact on my life, I think, because you come in thinking you're expecting to learn mostly STEM skills, but you come out with much more from the, the communication and teamwork and enterprise and collaboration skills that you develop. And, and Marcus, would you would you say yeah, of similar course. things to... Yeah. I'd agree totally. I mean, it kind of sounds harsh, but you, by doing stuff, different team roles, trying yourself in a phone schools, you don't only learn what you want to do later on, you also learn what you don't want to do. So personally, I found probably I want to do something more marketing based, something more communication based, or probably something more engineering based. And so you can figure out by yourself, um, what kind of um, career you're aiming for 
and personally F1 in schools had a massive impact on my interested interested in engineering and yeah motorsports as well so we we spoke to Keris earlier as well and we we spoke to to Spark and Square Q as well and they've they've all got really good insight into their plans for the future and and how F1 in schools has uh, affected that so I think Keris has a very good example of what has affected them let's listen to their engineer now yeah as for me uh at first i didn't really know that i had an interest in engineering at all but through this comp through this competition i actually found out that i really had a lot of interest in engineering so i think that's uh that's what i'm gonna pursue in in the future and maybe work for formula one one day i don't know and so george were you into engineering before f1 in schools I mean, I've been interested in engineering for a long time, but actually before the competition, I really thought I wanted to become an architect, but just the exposure to engineering and learning and developing skills in it made me realize that I really enjoyed it. And now I'm studying engineering at university. Mm. I think that, uh, that the parallels between those two stories there is a powerful indicator of uh, how good a program F1 in schools is. Sparks engineer also had something to say about how it's affected his uh his views on where he's going to go to college. So let's let's have a listen. Uh, I hope like this experience it's very important for me. Uh, mainly I want to do like uh, international programs or international uh, colleges. Uh, and the engineering area that I am responsible it's like something that I love. And I, I think that exposure, uh, from that, the sound of the interview, exposure to the, the international flavour of F1 in schools at the world competition would certainly have an effect on your view of international colleges. Would you agree, Marcus? Yeah, competing in um, F1 in schools probably stops hindering yourself from looking what possibilities are abroad. Yeah, and I really wouldn't consider myself as somebody who says I won't start studying at an international university or go abroad or probably even work abroad because you just start to get a point of view how th like things are done in other countries and how great international networking and communicating is. Yeah, so this helps a lot with, uh, yeah getting out of your comfort zone. Whilst I'm I'm still studying in the UK uh, for university, I just thought my university UCL is really international. And I've met people from around the world on my course that have taken part in F1 in schools. So I think clearly it does have, F1 in schools does give you a very international mindset. Really broadens your horizons, I think, yeah. Um, Squack, you had a bit of a different outlook on where F1 in schools is going to take you. They they focused on how they'd made lots of contacts through the, the competitions. So let's have a listen to that. We, we, we gained a lot of contacts by doing this, uh, this event. Uh, we, we, we met some engineers of very, very interesting in France, like you, don't, you maybe don't know, but um, uh, we, we met uh, an Alpine engineer uh, in the category uh, LMP2. It's uh, a very good category in France. 
in motorsport. So yes, I we we some of us hope uh, to to get into F1 in the future. We know that it's very hard. It's very hard work. Uh, but yeah, it's a goal. Uh, and I think all the young, all the young people that are participating to F1 in schools, uh, it, it's their goal at the end. And so that's some some really good to hear. It's some really good networking on the part of Square Q, building relationships within F1 teams already. Have you guys heard of that kind of stuff in the competition before, George? I think it's great to see teams making contacts uh, with professionals in motorsport. Uh, and it's really impressive. I think usually this is something we see from teams after they've competed at the World Finals. But to see Square Q doing this before, uh, I think will have really helped them in their preparation. I think you can agree, Marcus, that we can add that to the list of reasons that France and Square Q are definitely a, a country and team to watch. Yeah, surely. Because, I mean, it's all good to do stuff by yourselves, but it's not forbidden. And I guess it helps um, to think out of the box if you get help from professionals. Because, I mean, they're professionals for a reason. And even our, our team really, like... Um, did gain profit out of working with professionals as we worked with some ENSYS engineering, um, like ENSYS aerodynamic engineers. So probably some of you know ENSYS is uh, software used by F1, Formula E and all of the other high performance racing teams. So yeah, they just work daily on daily basis with this stuff and have an engineering degree so they can help you out. And as racing is really big in France they probably can yeah work with that partnership and get successful with it big industry knowledge to draw on definitely so guys I I'm been really blown away with what happened yesterday at the competition it was a great day day two and we're really looking forward to, to day three here um, you guys what are your what are your expectations for the competition yeah I'm really keen to see teams in knockout like even in the virtual um format i guess it's going to be really exciting to compete and to watch because it's yeah as it says knockout so you gotta win to stay in into this part of the competition and it's always like one of the best um feats for the for the public yeah sure yeah i totally agree and it's just you never know what's going to happen uh like a great team might just have some bad reactions and that completely changes the dynamic it's such a high stakes high stakes session knockouts is and i think we're going to end today on some some wise advice that we got from from team bolt uh i think this is wisdom beyond their years so thank you everyone for listening i will let them play us out yeah of course uh the first year is most probably going to be hard just keep going at it next year is going to be better and better uh, you learn so many stuff in the first year i remember in my first year of formula one <laughs> i was just a kid not knowing the single thing about aerodynamics and by the end i feel like i could actually bring something to real one cars and like i gain some knowledge that really make cars fast and keep trying and you'll do better yeah as he said never give up always learn from your mistakes and just keep pushing until you get where you want to be and just always keep your spirit high and you whatever you do you did you put the best effort you could and 
Just give it your all. Thank you for listening to today's recap of the 2020 F1 in Schools World Finals. If you want continued insight and to see interesting developments in real time, follow us on our socials at Off The Track Podcast on Instagram, at Off The Track Pod on Twitter, and our website, offthetrack.net. Good luck to all teams, and we'll see you back here tomorrow. Tracksiders production of Off The Track Media. F1 in schools and related marks are trademarks of Formula One licensing, a Formula One group company.